0: Welcome to the Tour Junkies Fantasy Golf Podcast presented by 18Birdies. This is the Shriners Hospital Open. Let's get to it. What's going on, golf addicts? The Tour Junkies Podcast back at you. This time, though, this is going to be an interesting show. We're going to have a good time. You're going to learn a lot. Tonight on this episode, you're going to learn a lot about golf, about picking golfers. You're going to have a great time. And most of it's because Pat's not here, which is fantastic. You, you're not going to hear Pat Perry tonight. Instead, filling in for Pat Perry, our friend, PGA Tour professional, and just hilarious guy, um, Paul Appian. What's up, Paul? Thanks for coming on the show and filling in for Pat.
1: Yeah, no problem. I'll uh, start off. It's Appian, but no worries. I've, I've been called much worse. <laughs> Apian, really? Apian, I'm, just, now I'm yeah. learning this. Don't worry, there's only twelve of us in the world. You're good. Yeah, yeah. Uh, well, you yeah, have very. Yeah, happy to be on. To I appreciate you having me on with, here.
0: Yeah, no, no worries. Thanks for thanks for taking the uh, taking one for the team and filling in on the podcast. So, I, obviously, if people want to know where Pat is. Pat's taking a little hiatus um, just for the, just for just for this week, so everybody can kind of calm down. He'll be back. Um, he he was just mad at me from last week. So he had to, he had to take a chill pill, but it's his first break in three years. So I think he's doing pretty good. Uh, but we get Paul and Paul, I want you to tell, I want you to tell the listeners a little bit about you because you've been on our show before, but it was briefly to talk about the golf course in Mexico. I think for the WGC event, uh, exactly. but tell, tell the listeners a little bit about who you are and, uh, what, what's, uh, what you're about.
1: Yeah. So, Paul, uh, happy to be on here. Appreciate it. I am 31 years old. I got two little boys now, which is awesome. I have played professionally since the fall of 2010. I graduated from the University of Southern Mississippi. Um, two-time mm-hmm. academic All-American down there. Had a great time. Loved college. Said, all right, well, I'm going to try to turn professional. Played three years on the Hooters Tour. Then went out with the first-round PGA Tour Latino America. Um, did not keep my card and had a first son on the way, so then went and played. 2015, it was a bit of a struggle. I had 15 events where I missed 12 cuts, 8 by one 2 by 2 so oh. kind of frustrating. Then went up to Cedar Rapids, won the 2015 Cedar Rapids Open, kind of kept me going. Went to PGA, back down to PGA Tour Latin America in 16, uh, finished tied for 17th at the end of the year on the money list, believe it or not with the shrimp el Cameroon, uh jose de jesus rodriguez and then that was the year that i was exempt to second stage and flat out forgot the deadline so that's a good thing to you know always be remembered by then in 2017 mm-hmm. back. yeah that's correct kept my card wait a minute uh, <laughs> oh yeah so like there's certain cutoffs for if you're exempt to second stage and through to final stage and mm-hmm. I got the dates mixed up, and I was—I just finished fifth at the Olympic course in Rio. I was like, "All right, got my money. Q school's paid for. Got to sign up. I'm three days late." Oh. and I looked at it and I said, "That's on me." Ended up not going to Q school uh, because of it, because didn't qualify for finals. Then went back down in 17, didn't play as well, finished just outside of keeping my card, and now I'm still playing in the United States, uh, and I've got two healthy boys and an amazing wife. So. It's been an interesting journey. It's definitely not what I thought it would be in July of two thousand ten, coming right out of college, but it's been it's, it's been I've got some great stories from down south, but I, I wouldn't change it. Yeah, yeah. It's not 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 exactly what I pictured. Golf is getting well crazy difficult.
0: Yeah, like that's what I was gonna say is it's just it seems everybody that we talk to at any level, um, it just seems so, so competitive. Um, and I think the game has grown so much. You've got so many, you know, so much more young talent infused at every level that you're competing against. But, um, but uh, like, so what's your, what's your, what's your plan for this year? Like, what are you, what are you working on or what are you trying to do? I know you've taken some time off uh, from, from right. swinging it lately, which feels good.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Uh, that was, uh, taking almost four weeks off, not swinging is the first time I've done that since probably middle school. But spending time with the kids is always great. Uh, next year I'm going to do the Monday qualifier route and uh, maybe looking into doing different tours. Just don't know. Um, some things will shake uh, around, I'm sure, in the U.S. this off season with tours, and we'll see what happens. Um, but obviously this, the main goal is still to get to the PGA Tour uh, and to provide a life for my family that way.
0: Yeah. Well, so you've been doing it since, you said, 20 twenty ten two
1: thousand ten was my first year, and then for first full year was two thousand eleven I was out on the what was then the Hooters tour is now the swing thought tour
0: gotcha and so yeah. you obviously have come up playing with a lot of these a lot of guys on the web and um a lot of guys p g a and um probably oh, yeah. some guys who who don't don't even play anymore at all but um so I know you know a lot, a lot of, those. of those
1: guys. Like, uh, yeah. yeah, it's interesting how the, you look at who you've played with, and you and and you're like, whoa, like I know this guy, I call him or I'll talk to him, and then you'll see other guys like, well, this guy wasn't that great, no, nothing ever impressed yeah. me, and then you're seeing where he is, and you're like, well, why can't I be there? And that's not a knock on anybody who's made it by any means, but it's one of those to realize how na- narrow that talent pool is. If you don't do well at Q school you've spent five grand and then essentially your year is shot. Um, now you don't have a chance to move up to make more and to provide and to move up. It makes it much more difficult. It's unreal.
0: That's, that was my next question is like going, uh, being in this grind the way you have and like seeing these guys, I know that <clears throat> the average listener probably has no idea how thin the margin is between a player like yourself on the you know Latino America tour versus the, the, the PGA tour. But if there's, the Dutch, there's it's definitely a
1: difference, I mean, the guys that you look and make it, you can go, okay, yeah, I see what this person has, yeah. I see what that person has, but then you also look in the mirror and you go, well, I have that too, but I just didn't play yeah. well at the right two or three weeks when Q school came around, and that happens a lot more than most people realize. Yeah. If you look at like Lakeland, Florida, this year for first stage, if you shot 14 under for four mm-hmm. rounds you put your clubs in your trunk and you drove home and you made sure that that check went through to the PGA tumor because you didn't get out of first stage. Took 15 under at grasslands and Lakeland. Jeez, that's Thanks unreal. for coming.
0: <laughs> that is just unreal. Um, well, I, I, for one, definitely, uh, I, I know that you're, you're a good family man. You're a good dad. And uh, I, I know you're enjoying the time off, but I'm, I'm, I'm ready to see uh, you know, pick the clubs back up and put you back on my, on my my shot tracker app for the Latino America Tour or the web or the PGA or whatever it takes.
1: I'm there with you. Here's just, here's a little funny story. So obviously, the last name gets mispronounced all the time. And uh, my brother, who I'm very proud of, actually works at NASA in Houston. He's one of the flight lead, or one of the leads for the power systems and the thermal shield on the space station. So he and I wow. have this joke as to Who's gonna tell people how to pronounce our last name properly the first time? Is he going to go into space be a flight director and on TV <laughs> or am I gonna win on the on the ah. so yeah we have this little family bet going. Interesting. Okay. Yeah, we
0: you, you got you gotta get some uh you know, we gotta get some odds. Maybe we can get our friends at my bookie to put some odds on that one of these days. We can do that. We can work on that.
1: Take take the under. <laughs> <I'm
0: laughs> Who am I, which, which,
1: which add- am I taking? Which 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 avian am I taking? Well, no. You're
0: going to it's say it's all you, one of course, but yeah. That well, yeah.
1: <laughs> um.
0: So, all right. Well, let, let's let's get into this a little bit. We we okay. we. Uh, I, I want so Paul's going to stick around. We're going to do the we're going to recap quickly, and then we're going to do the breakdown course breakdown. And, and Paul's going to stick around and make some picks. It's going to be a good time. So we got to recap first of all, though. Quickly, yeah, yeah, yeah. Xander Schauffele won the WGC um I hate that event I just think that's the worst WGC event of the year um just not a fan see who God love him just seen, is just the best guy in the world but cannot seem to close the door and you know I, I do have to say from a from a tour junkies perspective um I got to go ahead and brag on myself a little bit Paul because I, I picked Vander last week he was one of my picks and I said I just kind of got a feeling about him. It's kind of a gut call. He hasn't been playing that great, but I like him in a no-cut event where you got to go low and, and, you know, you can be aggressive, and here he is. Pat Pat hated the pick. <clears throat> I got some grief for the pick on social media, but I was very happy to wake up to see Xander pull it out in the playoff. But, man, Tony Finau, like, the guy has come so close so many times. I mean, do you feel like if he finally and I know he's won I know he won the uh the what what he won? Puerto Rico, I think, uh two years ago. But do you I mean do you think it it'll only take one event for him to close the door? Like one more like big event for him to close the door and then he'll be good to go? Like is, is, you is, is realize this the first one critiquing? is so hard
1: to do? You realize what you're critiquing. <laughs> That's what we do, Paul. That's what we do. Twelve twelve top tens this year on the PGA tour. Yeah, he's unreal. He's unreal, he's, but, but we want
0: we want to see him win.
1: Like I, everybody I wants to see him win because he's such a good guy. That and that's what I was gonna say is like he's you're talking about like playing the mini tours and this and that. Like he's one of those guys. I didn't get to know him. I played with him once. I had dinner with him a different time with host families. He's one of those guys that he got up off the table and he was just a good dude who happened to be a great golfer. Yep. Like he was yep. always a super nice guy whenever you said hi to him.
0: Yep. I've had a couple of interactions with him um, through 18 Birdies, our, our title sponsor
1: for the podcast, right.
0: also sponsors Tony. So I had an interaction with him there, and then I, I was at his foundation event. He is, without a doubt, one of the nicest people that I've met since starting Tour Junkies. He's, he's, great, he's great. And and the people, like the fantasy golf community, they love Tony Finau. Everybody loves Tony Finau. We all want to see him close the door. But it definitely he will. gets like – He will. Oh, it's just – Just what
1: it's a it's a game of patience and it's a mental game, you know. If he got, what would you rather do? Shoot eighteen under and win, or shoot twenty under and finish second? Like some weeks it happens and some weeks it don't. Yeah, starts, It doesn't. You just have to let those play out. That's how it works in this game. It sucks. Yeah. And it'll wear on you. But if he keeps doing what he's doing, there's no way he can't. Yeah.
0: It, it'll it'll fall for him for sure. I, I thought it was going to happen though with the four shot lead. Um, I I thought this was it. I I was shocked when I woke up and saw that he lost in the playoffs. But the the WGC event, yeah, I know. The the WGC event there, I I just can't stand it. But so to me, I was way more excited to watch the Sanderson. You had a lot of the new guys from the web.com over. You had um, a full field event, which is refreshing here in the fall. Um, So from a fantasy perspective, we loved the Sanderson and it was a good time. And last week on the show, Paul, I'm I'm sure you listened, um, Right. but we had, yeah, we had a listener ask us a question. We took a listener question. The question was, who is a web.com graduate that you guys think could have a really big year? And uh, to me, I think Pat kind of, I I think Pat kind of uh, wussed out a little bit on this one. He picked Sam Burns, who's obviously a stud, but Sam Burns played like 14 PGA Tour events last year. So, right. Yeah. Uh, I chose Cameron Champ, who I know has been has had a few exemptions and played a couple of PGA Tour events, but not a lot. And what does Cameron Champ do? He dominates the Sanderson. I believe he set the tournament record at 21 under, um, just ran away with it. Got, had a little bit of uh, trouble on Sunday with Corey Connors, who's another really good up-and-comer. But Cam Champ, um, Paul, I'm not sure. Have you seen his, uh, his golf swing on social media this week at all?
1: You know, I, I don't think I've seen a thing about it. Uh, <laughs> it's everywhere, dude. He just kind of oh, drinks man. it out there, kind of ho-hums it, rolls it a couple yeah. of putts, something like that, right? Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Um.
0: Yeah. it's not a road in him. the
1: world where his swing speed is legal to drive at. I'll just put it that way. <laughs>
0: no kidding. Dude, and, and, like, when you look at it from – you know way more about the golf thing than I do, but I, I'm just, like, I don't really see – where the power comes in because he's not a a, I met him at Tony Finau's event um, like a month and a half ago I met him and watched him hit golf balls on the range he's not a big guy he doesn't like he doesn't overswing like he doesn't look like he overswings his back swings like a normal looking backswing he doesn't have this big time left wrist bow that Rom and Brooks and DJ work with like
1: where does it come from do you think This is just how golf has changed is that it's not a finesse game anymore like you used to play. And you'll see there's an echo chamber that gets out on Twitter and just talks about how it needs to be that way. It is an athletic sport now. Just look at how these guys are built. And this is what I tell people I'm 6'2", I'm 200 pounds, I've got a 34-inch waist. Okay, If I came out in in 99 or 95, I would have been a giant. But now that you look at how it (laughs) is, Now I just fit in, and this is how these kids are nowadays. Look at um, uh, what's the drive, chip, and putt. Those kids don't just kind of figure it out. Those kids have had instruction, and he's been taught, and these up-and-comers, they've just been taught how to play the right way, and they use the ground the right way, and that gets into Cameron Chen. He knows how to use everything efficiently better than anybody else when it comes to speed.
0: Yeah, I mean it's it's pretty crazy to watch. I, I I won't share this on the show because I've already shared it, but I saw him on a they put him on a track man at Tony's event and he was hitting 380, 381. Um he he hit a a low stinger at 360 that like didn't get higher than a telephone
1: pole. It was We talked carry or, or total. Total. Uh, you can't go by those numbers. Carry, man. Some days you play some days you play wet courses. Some days you play dry courses. You gotta go by character. Yeah, I know. Regardless, I couldn't do I that on the end of a runway. But no, <laughs>
0: he.
1: Um, so that,
0: all right. So one thing I've seen floating around on Twitter, fantasy Twitter, is like, yeah, but he putted his his you know his dick off the, for the Sanderson because he's not known to be a great putter. If you look at his stats on the web, he he's like top in every tee to green category. But chipping and putting, he's obviously not known for. So, and we know that guys like that, all it takes is a little heat with the, you know, with the short game, and they can run away with the field just like he did. But I, so I was going to ask you, as a professional, like, is, do you think there is any way, as, as variable as golf is? I know it's never going to be perfect, but what's the best way, if at all, that you can kind of see that coming? Is that possible? Like to see a guy like Cameron Champ, who's known to be just this tee to green guy. And see the short game coming around and he pops like this
1: it's all mental i mean yeah, yeah. The, some days guys will figure it out on wednesday evening at six thirty, and hit by two butts and go man that felt just right and some guys will figure it out the week mm-hmm. before then go man i really found something on my back nine when i was way out of the event but I did this, and all of a sudden I shot a good number, and I can build off of it going into the week, the next week. That happens a lot more than you'd think. Um, and, but uh, again, it's it's so much mental that unless you're right in there or you talk to the person, you won't know. And the way the golf is getting, where you guys can kind of keep most of their notes themselves, it's harder and harder to find. Mm hmm.
0: All right, so you brought up something interesting, and we were talking about this before the podcast, and I wanted you to talk about it. We were talking about the Sanderson, and you you were you were saying that you had looked into guys who shot the lowest round on Sunday. And yes. so, all right, so if I'm the I'm going to play devil's advocate here because all these all of our DFS golf fantasy golf talking heads out there are so numbers driven and analytical, right? and me and Pat would not consider ourselves that whatsoever, but they would say, oh, I would never look at that. It's such a small sample size. You're talking about one round. Um, what, what, is that really, what does that really translate to for predicting a golfer's performance the following week? But what do you, what do you think about that?
1: It's not I, – I don't know how – in all honesty, I don't know how it is as a predictor for everybody, no, but I know how it is for me. If I'm the tournament and I have a good Sunday finish, I'm going, I've got something solid that I can build on. Or if I've got what I've been working on, I see it kind of coming around, it's like just stick to your game, keep doing what you're doing. It'll come around and then you'll see these little blips because you'll play with guys who are like, oh, I'm really, what, way out of it. What does it matter if I focus on this back nine? You know, I'm only going to make another two hundred dollars playing mini tours, obviously not PGA. <laughs> but then you kind of grind it out and you go. Well, now all of a sudden, I've got a shot next week, or maybe you have a month. You got to drive six hours to the Monday qualifier, the, the next day and you go. I got something I can build off of here. This is something that's giving me some momentum. Like that's always something I should. If if I get into this fantasy stuff, I'd be looking at what was it, who shot low rounds, especially the back nine the week before.
0: Interesting. So it, it, the inverse of that. What if you got a guy who. Um, and maybe even they have a good first couple of days, maybe they have a couple of good Thursday and Fridays, and then all of a sudden Sunday, you know, it hits the fan and and they suck it up. Is that, is that a, just a, you know, is it a bad day? I mean, obviously it could be both. It could be a bad day or it could be, he lost something and he's, he's searching, right?
1: It can, it can be both, but. For me, the way I look at it is if I've got something positive going on, I'm going to build off of it. I may go out there and play great the first three days and then the last round, like not stick to my game plan and it not work out as well. And you go, it just happens. Now, if I keep sticking to my game plan, I'll be able to figure it out by the next week. And most guys, if a guy, if a guy dumps it on Sunday, you know not necessarily a guarantee i wouldn't necessarily, i would not look at that as a negative the same way as i look at a great sunday round as a positive mm-hmm. that's probably okay. a better way to look at it well i think it's a really interesting
0: thing for our listeners to hear um you know to, to hear that was something that as a professional you immediately were like well you know I, i'm i'm looking at who you know one of the things i'm looking at is who played really well on sunday so i think that's a really good takeaway already for our listeners when it comes to, you know, looking and evaluating players for fantasy golf. So uh, that's good stuff. We're going to get into some more really good content. Paul, uh, let's talk about this week. So um, we've got the Shriners hospital for kids, event PPC Summerlin in Las Vegas. Um, it's been there for years, right? They've been doing it here for a long time. So most people are pretty familiar with the golf course. What do you know about the golf course and talk through maybe um when you looked at it what kind of you know what kind of things you're looking at in terms of course fit
1: so i'm kind of looking at it i know it's not an overly long course um i've never been yeah. out there i've had some friends go play it but you also got to remember that they are in the desert so the ball is flying harder harder yeah good job it's going to fly a little <laughs> bit longer and that's going to change depending yeah. on the time of day like First guys out, last guys in. Ball's not gonna fly like it is in the middle of the day. That's, I mean, that's definitely something to kind of factor in. You know, if you got Gary Woodland, you know, where he is in the wave, that that might make a difference. Not as much for me because I don't come close to hitting it the way he does. But I I haven't looked too much into the, sco- the scores. I know that last year the course played a whole lot harder than normal. Usually it you know it takes 17 to 19 under, and then last year I believe it was a what, three-man playoff at nine under.
0: Yeah. Cantley and B. Kim, and there's one other guy. Chaka. Yep. Chaka. That's playoff right.
1: playoff last year. Yeah. So just kind of looking at that, um, but if you go for the years before that, you'll see, oh, well, let's see, last year in the second and third rounds it played difficult, but then, you know, you hadn't seen much of that. I guess 17, third and fourth played kind of difficult, but 16 was was pretty easy scoring. 15 was difficult, but they still got – I mean, they still got it pretty low. So while the course says it's between 72 and 74, it's going to play a lot closer to 7,000. Uh, and with bent okay. greens, um, you know, they're just going to get them pure putting surfaces in the morning and you're going to find, obviously the winner's going to make putts. Every winner makes putts, but it's just yep. the guy who hits it a little bit better that week. All right. So you bring up a few,
0: I got a few questions for you again, like from your perspective, because, and we've talked about some of this before on other episodes, but for possibly new listeners, um, talk through, let's let's talk through an easy course versus a really difficult course. Do you agree that if the golf course is a little easier, you look at these past scores and maybe last year was a little bit of an outlier for Summerlin, but if it's a, if it's typically a, um, you know, a better scoring situation, do you believe that opens up the field in terms of who can win Uh, Because anybody can get hot enough to go on those runs and vice versa on a difficult golf course, especially, you know, majors or, um, you know, really tough, uh, tough events. Um, Do you think that kind of shrinks who can really play well, uh, meaning really only the best in the world are going to be are more likely to be successful there? Do you agree with that or do you think it matters?
1: Uh, I, I think I wouldn't say it's an agree or disagree. I think it just changes. Um, you have some guys who are super comfortable going eight, nine under and around. You have other guys who can do it, but aren't necessarily as comfortable. Um, but then you got guys who are like, man, let me get to a hard course. Cause I know if I shoot one or two under, I'm going to laugh a bunch of people. And I know that my game plan sets up better for that week in and week out. So, but then if you look at just the top golfers in the world, it doesn't matter. They're just going to find a way to do it. I know it's not probably the straightforward answer, just the easiest way to do it, but that's, yeah. that's the honest truth. It I wouldn't. It, they said it doesn't help or hinder a group of golfers. It may just changes to who's playing, and a lot of that just well, the we, course setup more so and the conditions more so than it does the actual players. Everybody who is on that tour can play. I know a lot of people rip Bauto, right. which is fine. But Bouto, never met him, never heard a bad thing about the guy. Obviously, he's good enough to win. And if anybody who's out there has a PGA Tour card, then they can win. That's just how deep golf yeah. has become, building off into what we talk about Q School.
0: So, yeah, and, and we've heard um, – we've asked a number of guys that we've interviewed on the show that, you know, like what kind of courses they like. And a lot of guys say, I like difficult golf courses. I, I think of Joel Damon just came on here and told us that. Um, uh, uh, for back, me,
1: that's a hundred percent that way. Give me a
0: hard golf course see, any day. And see, a lot of guys, like everybody we ask, says that. Um, so, so I, I, I get that. I guess to to me, it does seem like though, when you get these these courses where, you know, sixteen twenty under is going to win, it just feels like at that point, any of those guys, especially a lot of these new guys like web dot com that are used to playing on you know, these web.com courses where it's just a birdie fest nonstop, right? Like it just feels like it opens it up a little more to those guys and say, you know, you're then just being limited to a Brooks Kefka type, a Gary Woodland type. You know what I mean? Oh, absolutely. Yeah. So I mean, another kind of theory question, because you mentioned bent grass, so the green service here, bent grass, and and i love putting on bent grass, too and it, and it's pure you don't have the you don't get as much of the bumpy stuff like poa and bermuda can kind of do at times so in that in that case does that make bad putters a little better
1: does no it,
0: does it make them a little more like no do you think it makes I don't it think worse so. or, or, they,
1: okay. these guys are putting on the best putt, surfaces you can put on and they're the most consistent you'll find there's not a bad mm-hmm. putter out there if you look at Web or Web.com Monday qualifier scores, if it normally takes five under eight, sorry, six under to get through, and they punch the greens with the big poor samples like everybody's stinky, the number's five under. But if they go and they play a course with the same course with firm greens, that number goes from six under to three under. Hmm. Okay. So, I wouldn't say that a certain surface makes some guys better you know, maybe bumpier, this or that. No, all these guys can putt. Some guys are going to feel more comfortable being on a bent green and see a spike mark than some guys who are on a POA green and see a spike mark or because of what you grew up on or a Bermuda green. Like for me, put me on Bermuda all day long. Because that's what you grew up on. No, actually I grew up on bent, but everybody around here switched to Bermuda and it just gets so much more durable than the bent does. But then yeah. some guys look and say, I don't care. I'm still going to hit a putt solid, and then it, it'll go in. That's more mental well, than I guess, anything. I guess
0: that's where I think, like, I, I get that idea, because if you take a POA course and it gets bumpy in the afternoon, there, there's an element of – there's there's an element there that you can't control how the ball is going to behave, right? So if you have a poor putter – and, and right. I know I'm saying poor putter, but I'm saying relative to the to the rest of the field. I know all these guys are good putters, but – Right. If you have a a worse a worse putter and you get them out there and and they don't they don't put it as pure they don't roll it on line as 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 often and obviously that means there's less likely that they that that they put well right so if the the inverse of that is on the bent graph where it's a little more true wouldn't that be negated somewhat?
1: You know, you would like to think so, but and and from what I've seen, it just doesn't seem to happen that way. Okay, it just I I, I, pers- I mean and maybe that's just me personally. I don't look at it as saying, "All right, this is going to make a big difference," or "I'm I'm a bad putter now. I got greens that are uneven, so I'm going to make some putts." Like uh, nobody I've ever heard say that has actually putted well. Everybody who plays yeah. well, regardless of the conditions, will putt well that week. Yeah, yeah. That's. I mean, you can go play on greens that have been punched and are just in bad shape. And the guy who won will say, yeah, it really well this week. Well, there's a 900% yeah. chance that he had a good – he went out and said, I'm a good putter this week.
0: Yeah, yeah. Um, all right, so so let's get back to the Shriners here. So any, all right. any other, like, takeaways for you or, like, course fit? You mentioned that it's probably going to play, like, 7,000, so you're not going to necessarily have to be a bomber here. Um, anything else that you think is going to be really important to play this golf
1: course well? Not, I mean, and in all honesty, the way the game's going, it's who's hitting it the best that week, and then of all the guys who's hitting it the best, who's going to make the putts? I mean, that's just how it is. It's not like – I think you have a couple of weeks a year that you can go like Harbor Town's going to be a drastically different or um, TPC in Jacksonville where that's just a different course. But other than that, I think you kind of see you as deep as the fields are and as good as everybody is now, it just doesn't make that big of a difference so are you um
0: obviously we've talked about this before but like form is definitely a big deal and uh, a place you want to go if you're going to try to predict who's going to play well what do you think uh are you a course history guy like do you do you believe course history is a thing or yes are you kind of like
1: well i mean think about when you go out and play like if you go to your local course like most people say their favorite course are the courses that they've played well. And most of my buddies joke with me about a course on the Latin tour. I'm like, it's a phenomenal golf course. And I go, but I played really well. So you have to throw that in there. Yeah. Um, there's the whole phrase horses for courses. It's a hundred percent accurate.
0: Yep. Yep. I agree. We agree. We, uh, and, and it seems like a dumb question, but there are actually people on Twitter who think that that's, the bogus thing. Again, it goes back to those data nerds. That's what it goes back. It's, to. It's, I'm um, telling you,
1: you got to look at the mental side. Like you go, look. If I know that I, I play right? well here, now that doesn't necessarily mean that Patrick's going to come out and go, oh, well, I expect. You know, I'm going to yeah. defend and play well. But if you just won a million dollars at a course, wouldn't you be like, man, I can't wait to get back there because I know that I can play well <laughs> at that place? Or yeah. if you're like, man, yeah, this course doesn't. That's why, guys play the courses that they do and take and make your schedule. That's why finishing top 125 is so big is you can make your schedule. You know where you're going to play better than others or prefer to play. That's huge. Yeah.
0: Yeah. Makes uh, makes a lot of sense. Well, before we get into the player picks, I do want to remind everybody about our friends at Ethos. Ethos, they're back with us. We talked about them a little bit earlier in the year. Listen, if you guys need any sort of – the life insurance thing. You got to take care of your family. Paul, you got three, you got kids, you got boys, you got your I wife. Got you, gotta, you got three? What? <laughs> you got two. I, I was thinking like okay. your two boys and your, your wife. You you probably have yeah. one run around South America somewhere that you may not know about. Yeah. Oh um,
1: God. I hope She's not you, listening. You, <laughs>
0: you got to make sure you take care of them, right? Think of all the things you work hard for. So how do you make sure all those things are still possible? Well, it used to be life insurance. It's a pain. You deal with agents. It's kind of, you feel grungy, you want to take a bath after, you got to do a blood test, that's annoying, you got to go to a doctor's office. Ethos, you don't have to do all that stuff. You can do the application online, and the application only takes about 10 minutes. You get honest, upfront pricing, no doctor's appointments for policies under $1 million. So, you can take it all the way up to $1 million, and you don't have to worry about the doctor's appointment. So, super easy you can get your free quote submit your complete application in just 10 minutes if you go to tourjunkies.getethos.com that's tourjunkies.getethos e t h o s.com all right paul yes you may want to do that i'm just saying you may want to do that after the podcast i want you to make sure I'm a, you're young I'm and, just and your lovely wife or taking care here on my laptop ethos go ahead and do a Got it Got it. By the time Sorry. we get out of the by the time we get out of the nine the, the K range, you you can already have your application finished. It's very easy. Um all right, let's get into this thing, man. We're gonna talk DraftKings, we're gonna talk the field at the Shriners, and let's look at uh your let's look at obviously Fowler's your top price guy at eleven four, down to uh Matt Couture, who we haven't seen in a while. Uh he's a ninety one hundred. Everybody in between, you got Cam Champ coming off the win. I, I don't think we're going to see a cheaply priced Cam Champ anymore. He's already up here in the top 10, really, uh, on DraftKings at 9,200. Obviously, last year's Champ here uh, in Vegas, Patrick Cantlay, who I just – I love Patrick Cantlay. I can't get enough of the guy. Jordan Spieth is making his debut this season. haven't seen him since, like, well, before the Tour Championship, a uh, little well, Ryder Cup, which um, right. one could argue we really didn't see him there either.
1: Um, you were and, there. and, of
0: course, our boy – I was there, but it, he was – I think I was more there than he was that week. Um, it, then, then Tony Finau, uh Ricky Fowler, all, all the usual suspects here. It's a pretty – you know, it's a good field. I'm happy to have a full field event where we can have a cut. Um, I, I just I, – I like those events. I don't like these no-cut events. So, Paul, let's get started. Uh, I'm going to give right, you a couple of picks that I, I really like. Um, I'm going to start. Okay. Uh, I I think I'm willing – I'm not going to pay up for a guy like Ricky Fowler. I'm just I'm just not paying up for him at eleven four. I do think that there are some really good values down in the 6K, lower 7K range. So if you're just a guy who you have to play Ricky Fowler, I get it. You can fit him into a lineup very easily and, and get some of these values down near the bottom that we're going to talk about. But I'm just not going to play him. I will, however, pay up for Tony, um, obviously coming off the runner-up finish. But he's also got a pretty solid history here. He's gained about 23 strokes total um in in his time here at TPC Summerlin and so I, I just think he's a pretty safe bet there at 11-3 I'll roll with him in cash games GPPs so Paul let me throw out a little lingo for you here by the yeah, way I'm uh, You're probably like okay. what the what the hell is a GPP um so a GPP means guaranteed prize pool that's on DraftKings it's basically a contest that's guaranteed to run even if it doesn't still but uh, more importantly, it's it's kind of considered a tournament. You know, it's kind of like poker. You got tur- you got cash games and tournament games. The GPPs uh, only the top maybe 20% get paid, and really it's very heavily weighted towards maybe the top 2% uh, if you finish uh, in terms of points scored that week. Whereas cash games usually uh, somewhere between 45 and 50% of entrants double their money. So okay. there's no big, there's no big payouts in cash games, but you can double your money if you finish in the top 45 to 50%, whereas GPPs, you know, you're more likely to lose your money than you are to win any and to win a big, a big hit. You've got to finish kind of in that top one to 3%. So
1: but um, make it, we, that's where you're going to make a pretty good check. Cause it wouldn't be my guess. That's, exactly. Exactly. So, uh, we talk a lot of GPP
0: here because that's kind of what everybody gets, uh, more people play those. Um, but in terms of, you know, in terms of picks, you you do have a little difference in how you pick. And this is a good thing for us to talk about because you're new to it. And a lot of times me and Pat forget that our, we may have new listeners who don't understand what we're talking about. So this is good. Um, in cash contests, the most important thing is that you? Well, actually, in both contests, the most important thing is you get six—all six of your players through the cut. If you lose a player to the cut, you are very likely to not win money. So it's very important to make a lineup with six guys that get through the cut. In cash, that's really all it boils down to, and it sounds—it may sound easy to a lot of people, but it's not. Um, no. So, so cash is really—that's really to me where it stops because you don't have to finish. You know, if the if the contest pays out to the top, two, or, you know, to the first 2,000 interim, then if you finish first or you finish 2,000, you make the same amount of money. So you right. just got to get your six through, and that's it. In a GPP, you also have to get your six through, but it's very important to, one, have the winner because they get more points. They get bonus points. And it's also important to have guys who are maybe a little less popular and not as selected um, we, we talk about ownership percentages, okay? So, um, last week, Xander was a good example. Nobody wanted to play Xander Schauffele because his form has been not great. Right. And so, he he was a great play and a great GPP play because he was owned by only about 8% of lineups. So, when he wins, you're jumping. You know, you got a guy that 92% of lineups didn't have, right? Huge. So, oh, yeah. Big deal. So, so take Fenal this week. Fenal because everybody loves him, he's always popular because everybody loves him. Everybody wants to play him. Doesn't matter what his price tag is, people want to play Fenal. So if right. he wins, you're never you're never going to have a low owned Fenal. He's probably going to be 20, 25 percent owned, and that's that's considered pretty high. Um, okay. So some weeks you're going to have winners that that hit that, but in GPPs you've always got to have some low owned guys that pop. And those guys could be in the top price range, the middle, the bottom doesn't matter. You could have a, a low owned stud that you've already given me a name of before the podcast that you're going to tell some people here in a minute. And if he pops, like I can tell you right now, the guy you told me about, he'll be less than 1% owned. So if he comes in in like top fives, top tens, that's a big edge on the field in a tournament. So I got you. that's kind of what we talk about when we say GPP, cash, stuff like that. Does that make sense?
1: Sure. I'm glad I took Greek in college, but yeah, kid. That's right. Um, so for me, right, I'm going to so play GPP, B now. Bet heavy, bet high. Cash is your long yep. run. Just slowly yep. make your money and get it at the end. Got it. I'm probably more of a cash guy. Yeah. Most people start like that. We started right. like that.
0: too. You start cash, and then you're like, okay, screw it. I'm okay, ready to win, out. win the big money. You're so. For like, sure. Yeah, you build your bankroll with the cash contests and all that stuff. If you're if you're more risk averse, you definitely will play the cash games.
1: Like yeah, be um, for sure.
0: Yep. Um, Got it. So, I'm all in on Finau, um, in any contest this week. I'm going to pay up for him. I, I I love to play there. I don't. Do think you think I'm the travel is have... going
1: to have any effect on him? I mean, great question. I guess it could. It is a great question. I guess it could, right? Um, Yeah. I mean, he's a big fan of Fino. That'd be my question. He's been playing a lot. He's been playing well. I'm hoping he can take it to a win. Yeah. Well, he didn't play the CJ Cup. He didn't play
0: CIMB. So, I mean, he's he's had a little rest, but he is going to have to travel.
1: So, he went just straight over to Hong Kong and then back. Yeah. Got it. So, I don't know. I don't know how okay. far the
0: I don't know how far how long the flight from Hong Kong to Vegas is, but
1: not twenty minutes. Um,
0: I mean he's also a Utah guy. Like it's that's kinda close.
1: Yeah, like, so he not, knows how to not... play a little bit of altitude, it's not as much, but he, <laughs> yep. he
0: knows how to play that. That's yeah. big. But if you're looking for a reason to not play him or what we call fade a guy, um right. then I guess you could say travel plus
1: ownership you know well, cuz that's C. another C. way cuz if you played cimb and CJ Cup then there's you're like no chance there I don't your, think yeah, those guys would play four in a row
0: no um and that's actually another way that you can gain an edge in GPPs is just by not playing a guy who's going to be really popular because then if he sucks everybody's got him in their lineup and you don't so you can have an edge so that's that's another okay. kind of thing you can think about in terms of a guy like Final who's always going to be really popular um you know, if he did not, you know, if he didn't play very well, then you would be getting a nice, a nice edge there. So something to think about. Uh, but for me, my favorites here are Finau, Webb, and Patrick Cantlay. I'm going pretty chalky here. I just, Webb plays really well here. I love Webb at an event where distance isn't a huge factor. Um he's got a great record here one here in 2014 he's gained 35 strokes at this golf course in the last five years which is more than anyone in this field and then I'm everybody who listens to the show knows that it's really hard for me not to pick Patrick Cantlay I just I love that guy's game and uh, I'll play Webb, Tony and Cantlay in this range regardless of ownership I do think they are going to be a little chalky uh, a little higher owned but I will look to Differentiate my lineup elsewhere in terms of GPP. So, what do you? Who are are your guys in this range from like Kuchar to Fowler? Who do you like?
1: Man, I really like Woodland, especially if you look coming off of this fall. He's had he finished 11th at Tour Championship, fifth at Cimb, second at CJ Cup. Took the week off, and then last year he finished T18. I think he's a pretty solid bet all around if you're looking at that. And then maybe go. My other one would be Chesson Hadley. He's got two top fives here in the last ten, in the last five years, which is obviously again going back horses for courses. Now he played, finished second at Cimb, didn't play quite as well at Nine Bridges. Probably took the week off, got to relax, get adjusted. I think he's a good solid pick coming in.
0: I like Chesson. Chesson's been on the podcast before. A great dude. I, I feel like I feel I feel like ninety three hundred is a lot for him. Like. If you look at the names
1: that he's around, you just asked me who I picked. I didn't say what I thought I, was are best. I know.
0: Let's, I'm looking look at here. this range. If
1: I'm looking at statistics, those are that's what I'm looking at going forward.
0: Okay, that's good. Well, you know what? And and again, he's probably going to be overlooked because of that price. So if you play him in tournaments and GPPs, you know, you, you're going right. to have an edge because I don't think I don't think he's going to be popular at that price tag. He, he's the the form has been spotty. Yeah, he's got a decent record here, but the the name
1: value. Wait, that wait, wait! You have Did you just at... say that a guy had spotty form? who finished second three weeks ago. I'm uh, sorry, yeah, my all, was cut the... out when you said something like that. Shut <laughs> <you>. <laughs> sorry.
0: <laughs> he missed the cut the week before, and he finished 73rd, which is DFL at the CIMB the week after. So um, I'm saying he like that's second back? at CIMB or CJ Cup. CJ
1: yeah. Cup. I mean, yeah. that would be
0: spotty form. Would you say that guy's in form? That's a good question, actually. What do you think means a guy's in in good form? Because I would look at that and say, yeah, I mean, the second place is nice. He's not in, like, god-awful form. Are you telling form, me that but... he
1: played well and finished second was uncharacteristic, or are you telling me that the other two were uncharacteristic? That's that's pretty much what you're asking?
0: Yeah, I guess that's what I'm asking, because I, I, and I don't look at it like that to say, like, that it's uncharacteristic. I'm just looking at it in total and saying I wouldn't say that guy's in good form. I just wouldn't say he's like complete and utter garbage right now. I just wouldn't say he's in good form. I mean, like Patrick Cantlay, who finished seventh last week, uh, 17th at the Safeway, 21st at the Tour Championship, which actually that's not great because there's only 30 guys in the field, but he's a bad example. But there's other guys that – I don't know. I just – the miscut and the DFL at the CJ Cup is kind of –
1: I mean, I, I hear you. I understand where you're coming from, but you know, as me, I'm looking at kind of Woodland and Hadley, and if you, you know, they're opposites, but they both have good finishes in the last three events. Let's see between the two of them, they have three top fives in the last three events. It'd almost be a way to hedge your bets if you're looking in that price range. I, I get that.
0: I get that part. Now Woodland is is lighting it up right now. Like so, there's a guy like. Three, like, consistent, good performance in the last few events. That's kind of what I – when I say a guy's in good form, that's what I'm thinking about. But I'm very interested okay. to hear that you feel a little bit differently because I think that's – your perspective is interesting, and that's that's kind of something that I, you know, I would have looked at and that. In
1: no way do I mean the same disrespect to Cameron Champ. I hope he plays well this week. But I would definitely pick Hadley over Champ just because it's his first time out and winning, and that's a huge emotional battle that you're fighting yourself. Like, how do you... hot take city I love mm-hmm.
0: it the Chesson Hadley over Cam Champ take is going to be a hot one did you hear that I just our little...
1: Cam Champ a win yeah. <laughs> <laughs> <laughs>
0: but I'm sure the emotional
1: yeah I'm sure that is a, that's a that is a thing
0: so that's
1: interesting I love that Paul see this is what you're, I'd, I'd uh, love to see a stat done on first time winners how they play the next week and then he's going to Vegas the week after he wins his first event Twenty-three years old. Oh not saying oh he's gonna yeah. go crazy. True, true,
0: <laughs> true. That's yeah. I forgot about it being in Vegas. That is true. With and and the the money's gonna hit his account what on Wednesday? Is that when you guys get paid? No, I think I it happens no, on yeah, Wednesday.
1: Don't get paid to know those guys.
0: <laughs> yeah, something like that.
1: Yeah, they should get paid um, on Wednesday evening.
0: Yeah. So good, good for him. But yeah, that's that is a hot take there. All right, good. Well, let's move down to the eight K range. I'll let you all start right. here. You've got uh, Andrew Putnam all the way down to Sung J. M., who has and Hadley like form, right? Because he's got a fourth place finish at the Safeway, but then a forty-first and a miss cut. So yeah, what you right, got between got, Putnam and and M?
1: Big fan of Ryan Moore. He's played well here the last few years. Um, looking on his history, where's he at? He's had finished T nine and fourteen. He had T fifteen and seventeen. He's also playing in his hometown definitely something yeah. you said for sleeping in your own bed and then the person we don't have much on joaquin neiman big fan of his he's a stud. but you're gonna tell me that he finished t8 tied dsl at safeway i get that not a problem but if you just look at it he is a ball striker and he is always a ball striker. he is if he somehow gets his tie. if he gets it timed up this week then he's good scott pierce he's always a good pick in vegas as well yep local guy another local guy right Yeah, he finished T five at the CJ Cup, and then coming here, let's see, he's played well here. He's and he's made his last four cuts there. Nothing great, but nothing that bad either. I mean, four events in a four years in a row, he's finished top thirty-two. Sleeping again, yeah, at home. You got to look at yeah. I like that. I'm probably gonna go. I tell you, I would go. Piercy and Moore would be my top two out of that price range.
0: I like it. I like both of those guys, and you, you definitely have a contingent of local connections here whether they still live in Vegas or they played at UNLV like Ryan Moore uh, or a few other guys so um, there are there's quite the local narrative at a course like uh, at, at a tournament in Vegas um, you brought up Joaquin Neiman I, I, I'm a big fan of Joaquin Neiman the ball striker total stud of a of a young player um, but here you go we've got a little strokes game data and if you look at the Safeway the only major strokes gain category that Joaquin lost strokes in when he finished 83rd, which I guess he snuck in and made the cut and then finished 83rd, well, um, that is go ahead. No, is 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 putting. So he lost almost five strokes putting
1: for the week. I so love one, one one point two around. Yeah,
0: right. But he gained strokes everywhere else, which is what he does. But I love that kind of thing because I think that makes him a great uh, you know, you know, a great play and an interesting tournament play because the ball striking, like you, you said is always there. And it's just a matter of, did he find something in the putter since we last saw him at the CJ cup where he finished 36, which is about half of the field, right? Did he find something with the putter in the last couple of weeks? And can he just, can he just put, you know, average for him or just average on the field? And he could, he could he could easily top 10 or, or win this thing. So I, I think that's an interesting play. Do you agree with that I take?
1: A, yeah, I, for sure. I have never played with him. A lot of friends have played with him, good friends with a lot of tour officials. He was one of those guys that they say, this guy's different. And I'll just tell you yeah. that this guy is different. Some people yeah. make a different sound. He's one of those guys. I mean, look, he didn't have any status to start the year last year. Now he's got a full card. Yeah. Yeah,
0: so After winning cool. the yeah, Latin Am.
1: There, huh? Yeah, he won the Latin Am. Latin American amateur.
0: Yeah, yeah.
1: Shot sixty three this um, round to win
0: that. I I agree with you on. Let's see in this range. I agree with you on more. I agree with you on Piercy. I'm gonna go Neiman. I, I like a little Kevin Nah. Another another Vegas guy. He lives in Vegas. Just the you know kind of a. He can get kind of streaky. Get hot. Score um, when he gets it going. Not in. I don't think he's in great form. He's in okay. Form, if I, by my standards here, um, but I, I, I like Kevin Knox. Nah yeah, yeah. The the history is a little. It's I mean, golf. the T two is nice, but I mean, I know, but it's like for for to have the local the local tie. I kind of I kind of wish it was a little better, but I'm gonna overlook it in this case and, and okay. play Kevin nah. um, <laughs> You think that's crazy? Okay, you? you're like you see the T two and you just think he's he's good.
1: But you, you're you not going to call him a, a, a horse for the course either, though, right? No, not at all. But if you're looking for a reason to pick him, I'd say you take him at T2. And if you're looking for a reason to fade him, then you go maybe he's inconsistent.
0: Yeah. Yeah. And I guess that's that, that would be the concern there. But I feel like, but I also think, I, I just feel like for the local the local connection and, and living in the area, for the same reasons you like Piercy and Moore and the other guys, like I'm a little shocked at how bad the, the recent history is. For some now. guys are not um,
1: comfortable playing at their home course in a tournament. There's truth to that because you know which, which you're supposed to birdie. You know which holes you're supposed to play well. Uh-huh. And if you don't get out, let's say you're supposed to play the first three at 200 mm-hmm. and you're all of a sudden one over, well, wait a second, now I got the hard holes coming up. Some Some guys look at it that way.
0: I wonder if that's even his home course. I've, I've heard there are way better courses in Vegas cool. than TPC Summerlin. He, he may, right, he the, be there.
1: they're playing in their own own area. Obviously, he's played the course yeah. and he knows it. But some guys yeah. will look at it that way.
0: Um, I think that's about it here in this range. That's it for me in this range. Now the seven K range is pretty, um, pretty big. We're going to have big some fun. Spot. With we this got one. We're gonna have some fun with this, and I got a feeling. All right, I, oh, yeah. I'm excited for a couple of names here that I, I know you're gonna bring up. So let's let's break it up from like Ryan Palmer at 79 to um, let's look at Graham McDowell 74. So the 79 to 74 hundred dollar range in that spot, who catches your eye there? Sam Burns.
1: Yeah. Martin, Martin
0: Laird. Laird. Laird.
1: Laird first. Yeah.
0: UNLV guy? Was he a UNLV guy?
1: I'm not sure, but he did play well last week at Sanderson. Finished T seven.
0: Okay.
1: Let's see where he did He fire that last round. Burns is just Burns is really just hard great. to pick against. Yeah, exactly. I don't have um, I don't have as many in this range as I do just below this range.
0: Uh-huh, which I love. I mean, I love that. Burns,
1: gets in. Burns definitely hops out, and Laird gives you, you know, reason to pull for him. He also made the cut, finished T-46 at Safeway. Um, so I guess in his two starts in the fall, he's made both cuts. That's definitely something to look at. Whereas Sam Burns, he's played twice. He does have a T-3, but he did miss the cut at Safeway. And Streelman in the same range finished 25th at Safeway, but missed the cut last week at Sanderson. Hmm. Yeah, I'd pick Laird.
0: Okay. I am not on Laird. I, I'm going to agree with you on Burns. I kind of like Austin Cook. I think he's an interesting play here. Seems like a great course for him. Um, uh, so I'm, I'm going to go a little Austin Cook. And then I I, I, I need some help here, Paul, because okay, Chris Kirk, is a, he's, a, he's a bulldog, right? So I love right. my bulldogs. Chris Kirk just been playing. He played. He had such a good year this year, and then lately, not very good. Missed his last two cuts. It seems like he's fallen off the map a little bit. Um, but I feel like it's it's really hard for me not to take Chris
1: Kirk. Any any thoughts on him? You got yeah. a good gut feeling on it. I do. And go with yeah. it. I mean, me personally, okay. I probably wouldn't pick him. But yeah, you know, some guys are like, hey, if you miss two in a row, what are the chances a guy like this misses three in a row? Pretty slim.
0: Yeah, and I'm looking at the strokes gain data for his missed cuts. He's he's lost he lost a lot of strokes putting, uh, nearly a stroke a day putting at the Sanderson um and lost uh about a half a stroke a day at the Safeway. Um so maybe you know, again, the putter can kinda of, can kinda of come around. I mean for me, I'm gonna stay away from a guy more so when he's losing strokes, T to Because
1: I just feel okay. like I'd agree.
0: Does that make sense? Full and okay. absolutely.
1: Because right. if you can't get to the green, then you're out. All these guys who win, yeah. they're, they're going to gain on both sides. But you know, looking at the data, strokes gained, Brody, Scott Foss, stuff, you got to hit it close. Nobody's yeah. winning making 30 footers on every hole. Yeah. Okay. Um, yeah.
0: Well, let's get down. Let's get down to this next value because I think there okay. is a ton of value in this uh, 7K range and a 6K at that. So I know you got some cool names. Uh, some oh, good yeah. Names you want to throw out? So I'll let you start.
1: All right. So here we go. Big fan of Carlos Ortiz. Why? Finished. He shot eight under the final round last week. Especially coming back, in hot. So so back you know, to you your final your round, round thing. Uh, you know, dinner always tastes good on Sunday night when you birdie your last two, right? Shot 400 on his back nine. You know, maybe he found something to build off of. I like that. Um, A big fan of Anders Alberson. He's been killing it in strokes game this year. He is a ball striker, Georgia Tech grad. Other thing about Ortiz is he is Mexican. But if I am not mistaken, he is from in the Rockies in Mexico, which might be something in the environment. This is what he kind of grew up in. I had to check on that. Okay. Yeah, so that may be one of those where he's not at home, but it is something he feels a little bit more comfortable playing in. That I think that's definitely something to factor in for sure.
0: Yeah, and Carlos, you know, for maybe people who are new to this, Carlos played had a really good. I think it was twenty sixteen or seventeen. The um, Web Year was it the Web Year? But he but he he played a little on the PGA Tour too. He got some exemptions or he Monday qualified or something. Um, right. So, so
1: yeah, he's,
0: he's yeah he's popped before on the PJ Tour. Um, now, do you know anything else about Anders Albertson? Did you did you play with him at all? That, no, I, I did not I mean, know. I him. He's a Web.com grad, but
1: right okay. Um, yeah, he's and he's at seven thousand. Yeah. he has no history of this. This is the first time that he's played here, which would be you know kind of something to look at. But he did finish T five last week with again another good final round. He, yeah. You know what? You have me on yes. this ethos thing, and I'm trying to fill out some stuff, man. I'm having a <laughs> tough time finding all of my uh, way to go. A-hole. I think
0: I, I think Anders shot a 600 final round, is what we said, because he said Ortiz shot so, 800 yeah. final
1: round. And then one of my other picks, kind of in this range, that I like, Roberto Castro, who has. Obviously made it to the Tour Championship twice. He knows how to play some golf. He shot seven under to finish the round last week. You know these are kind of some good picks. You're going to get in some good spots here if you know, you know, you make the right calls. You got a bunch of guys that you can pick from. You pick the right guys, especially this week. I think these specific players could move up a lot. And then my dark horse for the whole week is Alex Jacob. Last four years there, he's got two top two. He lost in the playoff last year finished T27 the year before, finished T2 again in 16 and T18 in 2015. I think he's a big play here. A little under, you, you, uh, years, but he's I'm a big fan of this one. He's he's gained 32 shots in the last 5 years, but he only played 4 years. Yeah. 32.47 strokes gained total in 4 years. 4 years. Pretty hard to pick against that. <laughs>
0: Um, well, I like, I like the calls, because you you gave some names that, you know, just knowing the, the community that, that plays fantasy golf, that those will not be high-owned high names. So you can definitely gain some edge in tournaments uh, if those guys pop. I mean, because obviously, there's some other names in this range that you look at. There seems like a ton of value. I mean, I, Russell Henley at 7,300. Um, Kevin Tway, who's been playing pretty well at seventy You've got Peter Ulines, uh, Brendan Steele, Joel Damon—these guys have all been playing really well. Harold Varner. So there's a lot of Dylan names here I think will be pretty popular. Yeah, Dylan Meyer. Yeah. Uh, he finished seventh seven last, last week. week. Um, yeah. So a lot of names in here that are going to be popular. Even Duffner at seven thousand. So you definitely are going to gain an edge uh, avoiding some of the, the higher owned guys um, and, and going here. So I like. I'm definitely going to be playing some of your boys that that you feel good about down here because I I I love playing new golfers. So I can I can learn a little more. I'm going to play Anders. Uh, I think I'm going to get in on the Anders train. I'm going to play the Carlos Ortiz move. Roberto Castro. Um, I'll probably have a little Chaka. I like that. Uh, for me, the only other guys I'm I'm really thinking about. I love Joel Damon here. I love Joel Damon most of the time anyway. He's Just a Period. Great dude. Um, Absolutely. Yeah. So. Great guy. It's it's really hard for me to not play Harold Varner at seven thousand. I just feel like he's a really good value. He did miss the cut last week at the Sanderson, but uh, just such a good value at seven thousand. Varner scores a lot, and, and in and in DraftKings, you got to have birdies and eagles. You got to you got you to gotta have guys that can score. Um, he just to me his upside is really good at seven thousand. But I know he's gonna be he's gonna be chalky. He's gonna be he's gonna be popular. Um, all right, so let's let's keep looking in the 6k range. You've already mentioned um Ortiz. Cheka. Yeah. Chaka.
1: Castro. Astro. that's me. Murray, the
0: the with the withdrawal last week at the Sanderson. Did you do you know why he withdrew? Do you have any idea? I don't know why he withdrew. No. He's he's a he's an interesting guy. You Ever met him? No.
1: I've heard some stories, but I've never <laughs> met
0: him. I'm sure yeah um i like chase Wright. i know i talked. i think i talked him up last week for the sanderson but um obviously that didn't go too well he missed the cut but i still think he could pop here um web.com grad engaged to uh fuzzy zeller's daughter little known fact there Uh, really nice really really nice guy i met him master's week when he was he was a super nice guy um other than that i think jj spawn is a Interesting play down here. Um He's never a big bad fan of play. She- yeah. Big fan of Seamus Power. You ever met Seamus?
1: I have. Actually, I met him when he caddied for a guy. How about that?
0: Oh, really? Who's he caddying yeah.
1: for? He's caddying for Matt Ryan in the playoff. I think it's 2004. We were in Guadalajara, Mexico, actually. Yeah, it was a seven-man <laughs> playoff. Seamus is caddying. Interesting.
0: We've heard uh, yeah. from two different tour players. That Seamus is quite the ladies' man on tour. Um, I think I think Seamus enjoys himself. Actually, that may be a reason not to play him because he's in Vegas. Just thought about that. Did you? Uh, I don't did know the homeboy from this? the
1: Bunny Ranch died a few weeks ago. <laughs> what? <laughs> I don't even know what you're talking about the yeah, Playboy Mansion. No, no, the Bunny Ranch. <laughs> What's the Bunny Ranch? How uh, you pretty much didn't have HBO in your college dorm, clearly.
0: No, I did not. <laughs>
1: I heard something good time. Half will Applebee feeling like it's it's good. <laughs> One of the big time um, brothels did, that Dennis Hoff passed away. Oh, yeah. nice. Did yeah. you see the heater from
0: Kelly Kraft to John Peterson on Twitter this week, by the way? Oh, no. Yeah.
1: No, nah, man. Um, go look it up. Oh, what did he call him Craft out for? Was it? Oh, what
0: was it? Yeah. He, he called him out because uh, Peterson commented on, like, how good retirement life was, or whatever, and like getting to see his kids and not doing the travel thing. And Kelly basically said, Yeah, dude, but we all know you'd, you know, you'd rather be playing on the PJ tour and, you know, if you could have kept your card,
1: like just, just yeah. absolutely good for him for having a high, you know, looking at it in the positives. But playing with John yeah. and being around him, he's one of the most competitive people I've ever been around. I love John Peterson, I think he's hilarious
0: um he's been on the show he's he was okay. one of our first he was one of our very first interviews that we ever who got, was your like, first years interview? Ago. Yeah. our very first interview was scott brown scott brown was our first actually we interviewed scott and john peterson on the same day um but we we published them separately so okay. um so those are our first two and then you know who our third
1: was <laughs>
0: We went from we went from Scott Brown and John Peterson to Brooks Kepka. But now we can't, we can't get there. Brooks on the show. We can't get Brooks on the show to save our lives. No, no. Now you're so. stuck with Paul Appian. Yeah, okay. <laughs> that guy. Uh, yeah, that Paul Appian guy. Yeah, that's right. Um, all right, so there's just so many good names here though as we round this out. I mean, Bud Collie, Stick, Brian Brian Gay, JT, Love the Postman. Um, finished, what fourth last year? Was it yeah. the fourth year? Yep. Yeah. Um, great player on a course where distance isn't a big deal. JT's been on the show because I remember him saying like he basically said like uh, he can hear the ball lands. He's so short off the tee. He was like ripping himself about uh, um, his short knocking status, but he's an in, incredible short game.
1: Uh, he's um, on PJ tour, and I'm calling in. Yeah. <laughs> So he's not uh, good one in this range. Corey, yeah. just
0: kind of Beckett. flaps out there. but
1: good. Yeah. 6, yeah, 6, played, yeah. But
0: there's just a lot down here. Jaeger. I, I think... I mean,
1: I'm a little bit of a homeboy for Jaeger. I do play a lot with him. Finished T20 here last year. Shot 500 the final him mm-hmm. last week. Definitely something to build off of. And I know he's a big fan of Vegas. So that's good.
0: Okay. I just think for this range, we're going to have to wait until kind of Wednesday. So... Because I I think by Wednesday we'll know who's kind of getting talked up and who's not, who's going to be popular down here, who's not. And then maybe we look at the waves, if there's a tea time advantage or something like that. We'll have to check that out. You even mentioned, um, uh, you know, potentially looking at guys in the middle of the wave for the, you know, for for distance reasons. For different guys, Um,
1: yeah. Some guys love early, but I've never met anybody who said, oh, man, I can't wait to be at the back of the wave. (laughs) Yeah. Well, Give me the worst so let conditions. me ask you this. You were talking about you were talking about um
0: being in the middle of the wave uh in Vegas because the the ball will travel a little further. I mean, right. obviously you can make a case for that. I mean, that benefits everybody, of course. But right. is it is it a bigger benefit for a guy like JT Poston or a guy like Gary Woodland?
1: I mean, number one is the board it all depends on how they personally approach it. But for me, I would, and it's, it's who wants it to be more consistent kind of middle of the day, you know, you're going to have, it's not going to change as much. Whereas, um, you know, if you get a bad weather day, you want it to be more consistent or sorry, you know, if you got a windy day, it's going to kind of change how you look at that with it flying because now you're, you're judging in something else to go along mm-hmm. with it. So a lot of that, again, a lot of it's mental and personal preference, but those are things to be wary about. Or like, all right, I wouldn't necessarily look at it for the whole week. But if you're looking at a a, a single play day, like a uh, one guy versus another guy, maybe that's something to look at on there.
0: All right, so I, I think you bring up a few interesting things about the waves that we've never thought about or been told about. So, what, what would you be willing on Wednesday? Me and you can text or whatever. I want you to look at the waves by when, you know on Wednesday. And kind of give me some thoughts if there's any advantage, if there's not, and what you're kind of looking at. And then, or maybe you can just tweet it out. You can just tweet it, and we can have our listeners on the lookout for it. Cause I think it's interesting the way you just dissected it is not the way that we usually dissect it. We always look at it, but it's not to that detail.
1: Well, hang on. we got, let's pull up. Las Vegas, what's our weather looking like? Well, it's gonna be, it's not
0: gonna be accurate though. I mean, it might be a little bit, but not by
1: three days it's out. It's gonna change. Got a pretty good idea. It's gonna change a little mm-hmm. bit mostly sunny a little bit who's... cool i mean like you're kind of looking at the waves in this net i don't think it's going to make a huge difference okay yeah i mean gusting at 12 miles an hour is what they're saying right now if it said like blowing 5 gusting to 15 huge difference uh, mm-hmm. That would kind of you go well. Am I looking for somebody who's at higher or someone who can fly it? You know that might change some things if you want to really get specific. If you're trying to figure out if you want to play a guy or fade him. hmm
0: Yeah, we we um we like to do a little first round leader bet too, which yeah. is obviously not DraftKings related, but first round leader right. bets always like to make those, and you can't make a first round leader bet without looking at the wave. But um, right, I, I would just be interested to hear a pro break it down when you well, look at that. It. So maybe, maybe,
1: that, I mean, I'll kind of look at it if This week, looking at the weather, it's not going to be a huge difference, but obviously guys play the weather for the British open, right? Right. Especially if you got like ma single player matches against, you know, one guy versus another, you could still do it for stuff like this. You know, if you see a guy who's going late Thursday, early Friday, you got storms coming through, you know, his course is going to be a lot different. From Thursday evening to Friday morning, than the guy who was Thursday morning to Friday afternoon, because that guy's going to have a better chance of looking at stuff. Right. That might be something Makes with your, you know your listeners going, hey, you know I'm stuck between these two guys. What's the weather look like? Where are these two guys on the wave? If they're in the same wave, then you, then that's one thing. But if they're in a different wave, you can go. All right, here's the reason why I would play him over the other guy. Yeah. Okay. Maybe I'm Makes a lot of sense. Yeah.
0: No, I I I like it. That's what that's what we like. That's good stuff cuz I mean, yeah, golf is obviously highly variable and impossible to predict all the time, but you're always looking for the slightest little edge and if you have a few of those, then that that can be the difference, right? So
1: I would definitely um, that would definitely it, be one of the ones I'd look at.
0: Yeah. Um all right, so before we go, Paul, cuz we okay. this, is, this was fantastic. Before we go, it's almost Halloween, right? You're getting yep. geared up. You got your. You're gonna take your boys out. Uh, my kids. Uh, uh, do
1: you dress up for Halloween as a parent walking around, or do you? Do you avoid that? Trying to trying to figure that one out. I haven't quite decided yet. Most likely, I will because it'll be he's gonna be a cop and then I'll be the robber, but also don't want to get arrested right. running through a, uh, you know, <laughs> walking through the neighborhood. Yeah, yeah. Usually, I don't dress
0: up, but my wife every year wants uh, is the most futile thing she does every year she always
1: wants she always wants the whole family to
0: dress up together like a a theme thing you know and first of all my 14 year old never wants to do that
1: and neither do i so
0: it never works out so i end up i don't know i don't do
1: the dress up thing but hey you and i would much rather dress up at halloween and look the same than be on a family vacation in hawaii and i'll have to put on hawaiian shirts for dinner that sounds awful. I do not want to do that. Yeah, I've been Have there. you done that? I was about 14, yeah. <laughs> I was like, I'm
0: not doing this. <laughs> Y'all are out. Um, You need to tweet that picture. We need to see that. Uh, by the way, destroyed. if people are not following you on Twitter, they are missing out because you're a good Twitter follow.
1: Give out all the handles you want to give out for Twitter. I don't think all you right. do Instagram a whole lot, do you? No, I don't use Instagram. I've got enough social media. uh, I have Mm -hmm. the more more accounts you have, the lower your self esteem. So, (laughs) and with two kids chasing around and working a part time job while trying to play professional golf, I don't have don't have enough for all those. But my personal is Paul at yeah at Paul Apian, just P A U L A P Y A N, and then I have this other one that another guy and I who's been on web. We started as a joke it was life on mini tours originally mini tour problems and changed the life on mini tours haven't done as much lately but yeah i still have that one as well
0: that's a good one too is that at life on mini tours
1: okay yes
0: yeah that's a good one so everybody needs to follow those um but but paul let's talk about if pga tour players we're we're dressing up for Halloween. I, I think you've got some ideas you want to share. I got five for
1: you. Yeah, this first oh, one's this pretty good. simple. Big fan of all these guys that are on this list. Uh, nothing uh, <laughs> nothing mean, but oh, the, you're gonna... yeah. Uh, well, I think I'm going to send most people by telling them I'm a big fan of this first golfer, Ian Poulter. Big fan of him personally. I know a lot of guys don't like it, but obviously he'd be dressed as Michael Schumacher every time he wins a tournament. He gets a Ferrari. Schumacher's one of the top Ferrari uh, Grand Prix champions, right? Yeah. Number four
0: I don't mind the, and by the way, I don't mind Ian Poulter. Like I'm not I'm not like a big Ian Poulter hater.
1: I respect the I respect the guy. Yeah. All right. Number four we got Dustin Johnson is gonna dress up as Deuce Bigelow, male gigolo. <laughs>
0: three
1: this <laughs> one three this one plays in pretty well. Everybody can agrees he's a mad scientist. DeShambo. Bryson DeShambo would be Doctor Emmett Brown from Back to the Future and Vendoc Flux Professor. Mm.
0: Of course. Yep. Yep.
1: Yep. That one's one. number two. Uh, I'm going to have this is a co. They'd have to go together. Jason Duffner, Zach Blair. They're going to dress up as Dr. Evil and Mini Me. I swear the first time I saw Zach Blair in person, I was like, when did Jason Duffner get so small and what is he doing this week in Guatemala? <laughs> uh, that, that's my yeah. favorite one, I'm
0: pretty sure. No, no I, I think
1: so. And number one. This guy's always waiting behind the 72nd hole. I'm going to say Ricky Fowler is going to have to be an emotional support animal for Halloween. <laughs> There's no question that is the perfect one for him. Uh,
0: yeah. You take him on all the vacations. He's always waiting behind the 72nd 70- Yeah, Yeah. Absolutely. I get it. Um, good, good still think...
1: I've never heard a bad word about him. I'll tell you one thing. Yeah. Uh, if parents out there who got kids. You want to watch how a person carries himself. You never see Ricky get super excited or super, you know, down on himself. Yeah. The way that guy keeps a level head—that's definitely something to teach your kids. Yeah, for sure. He seems like a great dude.
0: I still—I oh, yeah. I think I give a slight edge to the Zach Blair, Jason after one. I just think
1: that. Yeah, it's cool. a tandem one. You gotta, you know. I was like, God, what is <laughs> that he doing here? <laughs> War I know Eagle War didn't Eagle. go to BYU. Did not go to BYU. <laughs>
0: Oh man, Zach Blair in the buck club man uh oh, that, that guy um yeah all right man well listen I, I really appreciate you being on the podcast and appreciate you putting in the time and uh we'll be thanks we'll be for following having you me on Twitter. Pleasure. yeah,
1: yeah I'll we'll we there. We'll,
0: we need to have you need to have you back um, and everybody thanks for needs me to fill keep in up. Pat. And,
1: yeah, yeah, he's
0: uh, you. You brought a lot more to the table than Pat usually does. So, like by now, Pat's hammered and cussing me out. So he's got three um, years so. of material.
1: This is my first time. <clears throat> that's what she said, "Yeah, that's but, right." But uh, <laughs>
0: yeah. Well, we appreciate you, man, and we'll be pulling for you. Um, so uh, and tell all, tell all your, uh, tell all your friends that um they, they need, to, they need to come on on the Tour Junkies podcast. Yeah,
1: you got absolutely. it. Thanks for having me on, guys. All right, man. So Thanks, yeah. dude. Yep. Yeah.